It is good to have you at church tonight. I want to welcome you here. I want to welcome you online. If you're watching, we're glad to have you joining us this weekend. A lot of exciting things are going on, and I just want to give you a couple of family updates really quick. Next Sunday, we are starting our 4.30 p.m. service. All right, come on. It's going to be awesome. So if you know somebody who might like that service time, invite them to come with you. If there's someone in your life group who's still going to one of the AM services, you have my permission to guilt trip them into coming with you to the PM, okay? Uh, also, we have our Stronger Men's Conference coming up. So I want to encourage you, if you're a man, last time you checked, sign up. For the Stronger Men's Conference, you can sign up on your app and you don't want to miss it. It'll be a great time. It's worth the investment. Listen to me, men. It's worth the investment. You need to be there. We're starting a new series tonight called Jesus, the whole story. And of course, we won't cover everything that you need to know about Jesus. He's just too complex and multifaceted, but I believe that we can all grow in some new level of understanding and appreciation for Jesus, who he is, where he came from, what he did, what he told us to do, where he went, when he's coming back, because when we grow in understanding of Jesus, we grow to love him more, and we realize how much he loves us, and it changes our lives for the better. I want you to understand how incredible he is and how much he loves you. So to Tonight, I want to talk about who is Jesus? That's a question we need to ask. No credible historian with a brain would deny that Jesus existed. He was a real historical figure. He's talked about by Jewish historians and Roman historians who weren't even Christian. So he definitely existed. He's very well documented throughout historical records. But who is he? Is he a good guy, a prophet, a social activist? Is he a man of God? Did he invent the internet? Like maybe you're just wondering, what did he do? What's the big deal? I want to talk about that. We're going to go to John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And you can follow along with me. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus has revealed God to us. That's something we have to understand. Because if you're like me, you've probably struggled at some point to understand God. 
Or am I the only one who's ever been driving around just thinking like, how do you really get a good grasp of who God is? If you feel like that, you're not alone. It's very difficult for us to fully comprehend who God is. He is a spiritual being. And we are physical beings. We have spirits, but we're physical beings. So it's hard for us to wrap our minds around a spiritual being. And think about how hard it would have been for those people living in the Old Testament times. All they really had to go off was a voice booming out of thundering clouds with lightning. Like, who, who is God? A burning bush? I don't know, a, a cloud by day? A pillar of fire by night? Who is he? It's no wonder that all these religions throughout the history of the world have created idols out of wood and stone to bow down and worship. Because as people, we just need some kind of a physical thing to wrap our mind around. We have a really hard time as humans having a relationship with the Spirit. But Christians, we don't have to worship a man-made idol because through Jesus, we have a physical God. He shows us God, and through him, we can have a relationship with God. So here's the first thing I want you to understand. Jesus is God the Son revealing God the Father through God the Holy Spirit. That's pretty cool, right? God works together with himself to reveal himself to you. We believe in the doctrine of the Trinity as Christians. That means that God exists three in one, three unique persons coexisting as one, not three unique guys working together like the three musketeers, three in one. They're one and the same, but they're not the same. They're three in one. You're like, Pastor Ryan, you're confusing me right now. I know I'm confused too. And anybody that would say to you they fully understand the doctrine of the Trinity is ridiculous. You can't understand it. You cannot fully grasp it. It will melt your brain. Like if someone told me I understand the Trinity, that's like a spiritual Uncle Rico right there, right? Back in my day, I could throw a football over the mountains. Like, yeah, okay, thanks, Uncle Rico. You don't know what you're talking about. We can't fully grasp it, but it's real. To me, this is evidence that Christianity is not invented by men by itself. Have you met a man? We don't like to feel stupid. So if we were going to invent a religion ourselves, we would not make one of the core doctrines something that we cannot explain. This is something bigger than us, right? Someone said this, if you try to explain the Trinity, you will lose your mind. But if you deny it, you will lose your soul. So we see them working together, John 14, verse 26. Jesus says this, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Okay, so Jesus shows us that the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, they all work together to reveal themselves to you. Uh, the Holy Spirit reminds us what Jesus has told us. And what did he tell us? A lot of things. But in verse 6, he tells us how we can have a relationship with God and understand God through him. John 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Like Philip was never the brightest disciple. Okay, lowest IQ. We love him, bless his heart, great kid, right? But not the smartest disciple. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? I can just hear the frustration in his voice. And yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? So 
God reveals himself to us through Jesus. He shows us the Father. And I love that the Trinity works together to save us because God loves us. So the Father sends his son Jesus into the world to be sacrificed for our sins because the Father loves us. Jesus lays down his life for us because he loves us. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus so that we can find life because he loves us. Jesus leads us back to the Father, and we have this incredible relationship with God. We see that God is good at this, and he knows what he's doing. He works together with himself to save us. So if you're like, I want to understand God better. I want to be able to grasp him more clearly. How do I do that? Jesus says, look at me. Look at me. Jesus reveals the nature and character of God the Father in a way that we as humans can understand through the help of the Holy Spirit. So there are two big ideas in this message that I want you to really clearly get about Jesus. First, that he's fully God. Second, that he's fully man. You have to understand this. First, Jesus is fully God. He is fully God. He is not just a good guy. He's not just a good guy that came from God, right? He's not just a prophet. He was called Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. He made it very clear for us. Who is he? God with us. And so because he's God, we need to understand that Jesus did not get his start in a nativity scene. I just feel like this is an important thing for Christians to grasp. The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, has always existed. John 1.1 said, in the beginning was the Word. Sounds like Genesis 1.1. They said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word. There's a mirroring there. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He has always been. So here's the thing you need to know. Jesus was, is, and will be. He is eternal because he is God. In the beginning was the Word. In John's Gospel, Jesus is called the Word. Word is a title that comes from the Greek word logos, and I think it's a fitting title that he's described as the Word, the Word. Because for a king, for a ruler, all he has to do is speak the Word, and his will becomes reality. If he says, come, you come. If he says, off with her head, she's dead. If he says, we're going to war, you're at war, right? His Word is law. And for God, Jesus is his word. Jesus is God's will in reality. That's why the disciple John calls him the word of God. He was God and he was with God in the beginning. And before he was born in human flesh in the nativity scene, he made appearances in the Old Testament times. Some of you didn't know that, but I want to show you a couple of those. In the Old Testament, he would make appearances called Christophanies by theologians, Christ appearances. And oftentimes he's referred to as the angel of the Lord. And so if you're a a Christian, this is a fun Bible study for you. Go through the Old Testament and read through the times where the angel, the angel of the Lord appears. And you'll find that oftentimes it's the pre-incarnate son of God. So he shows up in Genesis 18. He talks to Abraham and they have a meal together. In Genesis 16, he comes to Hagar and talks to her. And she's like, did I just see the God who sees me? In Genesis 32, he has a wrestling match with Jacob. And God's like, let me go. And Jacob's like, no, not till you bless me. You got to give him credit. He's crazy, but I like his attitude. And Jesus is like, bam, I busted your hip. And here's what Jacob says in Genesis 32. He says, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. I have seen God face to face. Who did he see? God. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego, or if you're a fan of VeggieTales, Rack Shack and Benny, <laughs> refused to bow down to the idol that King Nebuchadnezzar propped up. So he had them thrown into a fiery furnace. And the Bible says that after a little while, a fourth guy appeared in the flames looking very godlike. Who was it? Jesus. He appeared in the flames, got them out of the furnace, which tells me that apparently rescuing people from fiery flames is a hobby of Jesus because he's still doing it today. He appears multiple times, and that's why in John 1.15, John the Baptist testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. John was older than Jesus. And in that culture, whoever was older automatically outranked those who were younger in society, like no questions asked. And some of you are thinking, we should go back to that rule. I like that. That would help our country. Calm down. Right? But John the Baptist was older than Jesus, and he was saying, I am older than him, but he ranks far above me because even though I was on the scene before him, he has existed long before I did. He was, is, and will be. I want to talk about a few common lies that are told about Jesus that you might hear out in the workplace or around town or on documentaries. There are many lies told about him, so we want to clear those up. Here's one, that Jesus never claimed to be God. People will say that, that he never claimed to be God. That's not true. I want you to get this. Jesus admits he's God. He clearly admits he's God more times than I can cover in this message. Here's one example, Mark chapter 2. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And it's funny because Jesus hears their thoughts which kind of makes you pause when you realize, Jesus can hear my thoughts? I got some problems. And so Jesus hears their thoughts, and in verse 10, he says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Which is funny. They're like, only God can forgive sins. Jesus goes, good point. I can forgive sins. Here's another example in Exodus 3, verse 14. Moses is about to go rescue God's people from slavery in Egypt, and he asks this burning bush who is God appearing to him, who should I say sent me? Who should I say? In whose name do I say that I come, right? And he's like, do you have a business card? Who, who's, whose name am I coming? And so God says to him, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Okay, so you know that. God identified himself that way. His name is I am. Later, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, and he tells them, your ancestor Abraham, your hero of the faith, he was looking forward to the day when I was going to show up on the scene. So sad that you don't appreciate me. And then they question him, and they ask him, like, how do you know Abraham, Jesus of Nazareth? You're a little too young to know Abraham. And Jesus says this in John 8, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Okay, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus pulled a ninja move and disappeared out of the temple. Here's another place where his enemies recognized he was claiming to be God. John chapter 10, verse 30. The Father and I are one. That's a pretty bold statement. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, we're stoning you, not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. 
His own enemies recognized that he was claiming to be God. They were willing to stone him for it. How can people say he never claimed to be God? It's all throughout scripture. He's like, I'm God. He clearly told us this. So he cannot be a good man and also claim to be God unless he is God. Because if he's not a, if he's not God and he said he was, then he's best case scenario, Looney Tunes. Worst case scenario, he's an evil psychopath unless he is God. Here's another lie, a lie that says nobody believed that Jesus was actually God until much later, and this legend developed over time. It's not true. You need to know this. Jesus was recognized as God by his followers while he was still living on this earth. And so I know that that might be difficult for some people to understand. He was recognized by God as his disciples. This is a big deal, a very big deal. All of his disciples and Jesus himself, they grew up in the Jewish faith. They were good Jewish boys, very devout to their faith, and they all knew what Exodus 34 verse 14 says. It says, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous is a jealous God. God's like, you're not worshiping anyone else besides me. And they all knew that commandment. In Revelation 22, there's another place where John, the, ba- or John, the disciple, he sees an angel and he just has a spaz out. Like he spazzes out for a moment. He falls down. He starts worshiping the angel. Not every day you see an angel. He probably didn't really know how to handle himself. The angel says, no, 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 don't worship me. I'm just a servant of God like you. Worship God alone. Okay, so you know that. You know that, what, that, that that happens, and yet we see that the disciples, they worship Jesus in Matthew 14. It says that, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw him calm the storm, and they recognized he was God, and they worshiped him. They worshiped him, and he accepted their worship. If he wasn't God, just a good man, just a prophet, he would have said, what are you doing? Don't worship me but he accepted their worship. He said, about time someone noticed. I've had people in this church tell me, like, Pastor Ryan, I'm so glad you're my pastor. They've never mistook me for God, even on my best day. It's never happened. But his disciples recognized he's God. They worshiped him. This is not just a legend that started hundreds of years later. Right after he resurrected, he appeared to his disciples. They were hiding and they were scared. He shows up. How you like me now? See the scars in my hands. And Thomas says this in John 20, my Lord and my God. He recognized him. So did his church immediately recognize him as God and worship him as God? Yes. They did. In Acts 20, this is written to pastors and overseers. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. How can God bleed? God has only ever bled one time on the cross. Jesus is God. 2 Peter 1.1, I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. The faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. So when you see Jesus, you can't help but see God. He is God. Here's another lie, that Jesus was not equal with God, but that he was somehow subordinate to God, like JV God, uh, sidekick God. He was just the the Robin to God's Batman, you know? And that's a commonly believed lie. It's not true. Jesus was recognized as God by God. And God is very qualified to say 
who is God. But Jesus recognized that Jesus was recognized as God by the Father. Hebrews 1, verse 6. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. God the Father told all the angels to worship God the Son. Remember, God said, don't worship any other God besides me. Apparently, God the Father thought that Jesus was God. Hebrews 1.8, same chapter. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with the scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. This is funny because God is talking to himself. Do you catch that? God is calling Jesus God. Your throne, O God. He's saying, I, God, recognize you, God, as God. It can't get much more clear than that. So you must get this. You must believe that Jesus is God in order to be saved. If you do not get this, you cannot be saved. You must believe that Jesus is fully God. And there's a lot of world religions out there that sound even like Christianity, but they don't believe that Jesus is God, and so they're not going to help anyone. Some of them will knock on your door, Jehovah's Witnesses. They do not believe that Jesus is God. They do not believe it. Mormons do not believe Jesus is God. They believe he was created by God, and he therefore is equal with Lucifer and the other created beings like the angels. He's not God to them. He cannot be anything else other than God. Obviously, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, they do not recognize that Jesus is God. We know that Jesus is God. All those other religions were started by men who died. We follow a God who is alive, okay? I love this. Our king is also God. And so that means that for citizens of his kingdom, anything is possible for us because our king is God. He's fully God. Here's the next thing. You have to understand this, that Jesus is fully man. He is a full, he is a full grown, he is a man. He's a hundred percent man. That's what my wife says to me. You're a hundred percent man. I'm like, stop. <laughs> but there's a lie that says Jesus was not a real man. He just appeared in man form. He was just a spirit. That's not true. God promises in Genesis 3 that through the seed of woman, a Messiah would come. In Luke chapter 1, angel shows up, talks to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? That's a fair question, right? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus had a physical mother. He was conceived from a physical egg. Physical egg came from his mom. Holy Spirit, Father, impregnated Mary. Not sexually, but supernaturally. That's how he can be fully man and fully God. He's both. He is a real man. He's a real man, and interacting with him would have been like interacting with a real man, only the best man you've ever met. He would have been the funnest guy you've ever been around. He would have been the most adventurous guy. You would have been going on a, a prayer walk with Jesus, and he'd be like, race you to the top of that hill, right? He'd be like, let's see who can catch the most fish. I bet Jesus was competitive. Let's see who can catch the most fish. I'd be like, no superpowers? Yeah, no superpowers. Right? 
Jesus could sit down with you and tell stories, tell jokes, share a plate of chicken wings. Jesus gave great hugs. He loved to laugh. He loved to play with the children. He said, let them come to me. Uh, Jesus was a real man. Like, you could touch him. He had hair on his arms. He was a real guy. I have to say it. Jesus even pooped. It's true. I call them the immaculate ejections. <laughs> but it just helps us to wrap our mind. This is very important for us to wrap our mind. In fact, he is a real man. In 2 John 7, verse 7, it says this, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. If you don't acknowledge that Jesus is a man, you're an enemy of God. He's not just a spirit being who represents our inner spirit animals. He's not just a concept. He is a real man. And he, what, it's not that he was just a man in the past. He is a man. Just a man with a glorified body like we'll have someday. Now, there are benefits to him being a man. One of those benefits is that Jesus understands us. He completely understands us. If you ever feel like nobody understands me, Jesus, God in the flesh, understands you. Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. When you feel like God is distant, when you feel lost and kind of on your own, you need to remember that Jesus has walked this earth like we have. He experienced suffering like we do. He came to us, he walked in the flesh so that he could relate to us. When you feel overwhelmed by life, you need to know that Jesus has also been overwhelmed by life. One time he was so overwhelmed, he prayed so hard that he sweat drops of blood. His capillaries in his head burst. He has been overwhelmed. He's been tired. He's been thirsty. He's been angry. He's been depressed. You suffer from depression? Jesus has been depressed too. He's a man. He has suffered, and he can relate to us. When you fail to resist temptation, like we all do at times because we're imperfect human beings. We love the Lord, but sometimes we fall. We give in to temptation even though we don't want to. You need to know Jesus sympathizes with you. He doesn't condemn you. He sympathizes. He understands our weakness because he too has faced temptation and felt the pull of temptation. Yet where we have fallen, Jesus stood firm. Where we failed, he has succeeded. And so he understands us. And next, Jesus is qualified to redeem us. We failed, but Jesus has succeeded. We are sinners, but he was only righteous, so he can redeem us. Has anyone ever told you this? You made this mess. You've got to clean it up. Right? We made a mess. Mankind made a mess. We brought sin into the world by rebelling against God and disobeying his clear commands. And we had to therefore clean it up, except for we can't. And so here's what it says, Romans 5, 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. A man brought sin into the world, and so another man had to come into the world to fix what was broken. God knew we can't fix ourselves, so he said, I'm going to come as 
a man and fix this problem. We could not clean up our own mess, so God had to become a man to fix what was broken by us. Hebrews 2.17, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a, one, a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus, therefore, represents us to God. He is our representative, doing what we could not do. He is our superman. He is our God-man who saves us from our sins. He restores our relationship with God the Father as God and man. You must believe that he is fully God and fully man in order to be saved. Not 50-50, 100-100. Fully God, fully man. You're like, I can't really understand that. Neither can I. You don't have to understand it. You just have to believe it. That's why it's called faith. I know it's not always easy. We like to understand, but we don't always get to understand because God's ways are higher than our ways. He's bigger than us. We as little human beings cannot grasp his infinite greatness, and I'm grateful that we can't grasp him. If I could wrap my mind around God, it would be a sign that God was probably the invention of the ideas of a man, but because he's greater than me, he far exceeds my ability to comprehend. And so we don't have to understand everything about him. We don't have to understand every aspect of how the Trinity Trinity works. We just have to trust him, believing the words that he spoke, that he can save us and do what we can't do. He's fully God. He's fully man. And you have to believe both in order to be saved. Because if he wasn't a man, he would not have been able to represent us before God. If he wasn't God, he wouldn't have been righteous and qualified to redeem us from sin. If he's not a man, he would not have been able to die. Think about it. But if he wasn't God, he wouldn't have been able to rise again. Because he's a man, we can be friends with him. Because he's God, we can have life through him. He's God and man. Romans chapter 1, verse 3. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God. When he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He came into this world... His death proves that he's a man, and his resurrection proves that he's God. Jesus changes everything for us. The fact that he came into this world changes our eternal destiny, our future. And by putting our faith in him, he gives us life, and he resurrects our spirit from spiritual death into spiritual life. I experienced this in my own life when I was a young guy, making bad choices, running from God, made some dumb choices like a lot of people do. I grew up in a Christian family. My parents were pastors, and so they taught me the truth. They taught me what was right, and yet like a lot of young, dumb guys. I didn't listen. I just kind of did my own thing, got myself into trouble, made bad decisions, right? At one point, I married someone that I shouldn't be married to. I married someone who wasn't a Christian. That never works out well. And so this thing ended in disaster, uh, got divorced, didn't really want that to happen, but it happened, and so I was ashamed, I was sad, I was broken. My unit that I was in got deployed to Iraq during this time. So there I am on the other side of the planet, away from all my friends, away from all my family, and I'm at the end of my rope, really at the bottom, at the bottom, the lowest point I've ever been in my life, struggling and depressed. And something powerful happened in my life. 
I was in Iraq of all places, and there in the little tin hut where I was living, on my stand was a Bible, and I picked it up, and I turned to this passage, John chapter 1, and I read through this passage, and it's probably something I had heard before, but something different happened in this moment as I read through this passage about Jesus who came from the Father. Something happened to me. I read how he came to the people he created, but they didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, but they rejected him, and in that moment, I kind of realized, like, oh, that's me. Like, I'm his people who knew better, who were, I was taught better, yet I didn't receive it. I didn't recognize it for what it was. I rejected it and did my own thing. But then I also read in John 1, 17, it says, The law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. And it all started to kind of click for me uh, in that moment, supernaturally. I can't really explain it, just like I can't explain the Trinity. But something happened as I realized, like, I'm an idiot who rejected God and did my own thing, and yet he continues to bring grace upon grace. I recognize I'm a sinner who's fallen short of God's standard, but Jesus' love never fails. He is faithful even when other people are not faithful. God did something in my life in that moment. It was like I felt this warmth come over my body and an overwhelming awareness of God's love overcame me, honestly. And it was like I breathed spiritually for the first time. I don't even know exactly what happened, but all I knew is Jesus changed everything in my life. And that was the beginning of my life going a new direction. And I'll tell you what, life is not always easy even when you follow Jesus, but there is no alternative to following Jesus. He is the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. He changed it for me. He can change it for you. If you've tried religion and found that it has failed you, try having a relationship with the Son of God who will always fulfill you. If people have walked out on you and left you high and dry, try having a relationship with Jesus. His unfailing love and faithfulness will never let you down. Jesus is amazing. I hope that you come to know him. The more that you get to know him, the more you're gonna like him, the more you're gonna realize he likes you. The more you get to know him, the more you're gonna love him and understand God's love for you. He is so multifaceted. You'll spend the rest of your life getting to know him. You'll grow in understanding of who Jesus is throughout the rest of your time on this earth. And you're gonna realize he's amazing. But then you're gonna meet him face to face and you're gonna find out he's a million times better than you thought he was. And so I'm going to ask you at this time, let's just bow our heads for a moment of privacy. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus. This is a great time to do that. It's a great opportunity for you to take that step of faith. Maybe you have never had a relationship with him or maybe you knew about God at one point, but you kind of ran away from him. This is a great time to come back. So I know there's probably people here who need to take this step tonight. Maybe you came with a friend or a family member. And if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, if you want to know that your sins are forgiven and that you're saved, there's a simple way to do that. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're saved by grace. It's a gift that we receive. We don't deserve it or earn it. We just accept it as a gift. So maybe you're ready to accept that gift tonight and begin a relationship with God. I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. 
and it's not magic, but it helps you express what's in your heart. Uh, so pray this prayer with me if that's you. Say, God, I know that I've sinned, and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that he rose again so that I could have eternal life. I want to have a relationship with Jesus, and I want to know you more. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life, and show yourself to me so that I can know you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God is good. Let's stand to our feet at this time. Hey, we're going to take a moment just to celebrate and worship the Lord because for those of us who've been saved, God deserves our praise, right? If Jesus has changed your life, he deserves your worship. I want to take a quick minute to celebrate with anybody who just accepted Jesus right now to begin a relationship with him. We love that. We celebrate that. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you, but we want to recognize that you just took that step of faith and celebrate. So hey, on the count of three, if you just pray that prayer to accept Jesus, I'm going to invite you to shoot your hand up real quick so we can celebrate with you. One, God loves you. Two, welcome to his family. Three, that's you just shoot your hand up. That's so good. Anybody else? Say that's me. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Anyone else? Come on. Why don't we give God praise tonight? We're just going to worship him before we leave this place or go anywhere. He deserves it. Amen. Come on. Let's sing.